Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. We'll have that reaction. Jump out the bed in mindful clarity. Um, so 
My name is Bill Hauser, everyone. Uh, I am excited about today. It is, uh, it's 3.30 a.m. here in uh, San Diego, where I'm at. But I would never, ever miss Breakfast with Champions. So I am up and ready to go. Um, so I, my mind is completely blown right now um, based on the last two days. Um, so I'm going to be a different version of myself today, um, a little bit more reflective. And um, so just I'll give everyone context on, uh, on Monday, um, I spent all day with um, Joe Polish, uh, the founder of Genius Network, um, Gina Wickman, the author of the book Traction and creator of EOS, um, and just uh, Dan Sullivan, the founder of Strategic Coach. Um, and we were in the same room together for, uh, for you know, eight hours on, on Monday. Uh, so that was Monday. And then yesterday, um, I, I'm at War Room right now, which is another high-level mastermind. And <laughs> I got dinner with Sam Ovens, uh, the founder of consulting, uh, the, uh, consulting.com, uh, which is insane. Uh, and Rudy Moyer, who was, uh, Ty Lopez's CEO for years. Um, and, uh, I'm just, my mind is blown. Um, Alaric heck, the, the YouTube ads guy was, was there as well. Um, it, I, I can't even, my, my, my mind is completely blown on, on everything. Um, Pete Vargas, the, uh, he, he, he and I, uh, got dinner together as well. It was just like, I can't even, I, I can't even begin to, can everyone tell how speechless I am? Just unmute and say yes. If you can tell. Yes. yes We've never heard you like this before. <laughs> um, yes. I've never been this fresh uh, after a mastermind. Um, usually I have a couple days to reflect because most of my masterminds are done on Sunday. So by Wednesday, when I do my segment, I usually have had time to get back into the swing of things. But I literally got back to my hotel at like 11 last night and then got four hours of sleep. So I feel like, and I'm so awake right now because of all the lessons I learned. So what I'm going to do today is follow a different model. And I'm going to basically um, explode everyone's minds with $100,000 and money I spent to be in these masterminds for two days. Um, I'm going to just give you every single mega takeaway um, that I learned from this that I think can add um, anywhere between seven to even nine figures uh, to, to your bank account. So do I have everyone's permission to follow that model today? Absolutely. Oh, all right. This is uh, this is something. If you're if you're like distracted, I would highly suggest to like actually take notes on this stuff because it's it's huge. Um, okay, so I'm gonna dive in first to the lessons I learned on Monday uh, with with Gino Wickman, Dan Sullivan, and Joe Polish. So the first thing um, is the like this concept called the lifetime extender. So I want everyone to take a quick moment and picture that someone asked you right now, how long are you going to live until? 
I know it's a crazy question, but someone comes up and asks you, how long are you going to live until? Right? And then you're going to think for a moment. You know, That's weird. It's a weird question. And then a number is going to come to your mind. Right? So number that came to my mind because I'd done this exercise before was 110, right? As like a reasonable time that I could live until, right? And then, then uh, they ask you a follow-up question, which is, okay, if you could live until like 110, which was my number, and you, and, and, and you could describe how you want your health to be at 110, Okay, so I and I started writing down. Well, I, I want to have a six pack. Like I want to stay in, in shape forever. Like da, 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 this whole list of stuff. And then uh, Dan Sullivan asked a follow up question, which is, okay, great. If you were in that good of shape at one ten, how long would you really live until? Right, and then the number that came out of my head was one fifty seven. Right, and the reason I chose one fifty seven is because uh, Dan Sullivan's goal is to live until 156 years old. And if you think about it, that's actually not crazy at all. Um, because if you look at the trend of regenerative medicine and lifetime expectancy, and we actually have like this whole diagram on it, people's lifespans, based on the past trends of how lifespans have increased, like mind you, in the 1800s, the average lifespan was like just past 40 years old. Okay. That's like, that's like doubled in just like, a, you know, in really just like the end of, of the 18 of the, the 1800s uh, that started happening. It started doubling. Right. So in about a century's time, our lifespan, our average lifespan, you know, doubled as a population and you know so so age reversal is a real thing that's happening right now with stem cell research and everything and tony robbins literally just wrote a book on this called life force so the you know the the contention that was made was that the reason most people die is because they believe that whatever number society has put on a reasonable lifespan just becomes the belief system of the person. And basically you run out of people who believe they can live past a hundred years old. And therefore you, you pretty much die of loneliness and the belief that you can't live past a hundred. Right. And, and you definitely can live past a hundred if you embrace preventative medicine and age reversal and um, you know, all those things. So, Long story short, but that, that wasn't really the exercise. The exercise was, was the beautiful part that I was asked after I said I would live until 110 years old. And then my extended number was 157. So 157 minus 110 is what's called my lifetime extender years. Meaning that instead of living until 110, I'm now living until 157 years old. That is a bonus of 47 years. Did everyone follow that up to this point? Hello? Yes, sir. Yes, we're following. Yes. Yes, yes sir. We're following. We got you, Bill. So then, yes, sir. 
Okay, yes. thank you, thank you. So then they asked a question. The question was, if you were given 47 bonus years in your life, what would you really do with your time? Hmm. If your last day was today and someone had you right the moment before you take your last breath, someone comes up to you and says, I will grant you 47 extra years. There's one rule. You can only do the things you really you really should be doing. What would that list be? Right? And then all these things flood out of your head. And once the exercise is done, you take that list and then you compare it to what your calendar shows. And the ultimate question after that exercise is why not now? Why can't you do it now? What is stopping you from doing your quote unquote bonus year activities? And the truth is that the thing that's stopping you from doing it is some form of lack of self-confidence. There's something that makes you think, no, I, I can't yet do the things I should be doing. I gotta prepare for, I gotta get more done here. How many of you are guilty of this? Say yes, I, I know I am. Uh, yes, I yes, know I yeah. am. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Right? It's preparation-itis. We just keep thinking, you know, if I just build this up and I just get this, I get this much money and I build this and then I can do the things I should be doing. Then I'll be able to subsidize it. Then I'll be able to pay for it. Well, the truth is you, you can do it now. And the actual likelihood of you making more money, having more freedom, living a better life is short-circuiting the distance between what you should be doing, right? And when you do it. So that was, that was a huge breakthrough. Um, so then we started going through uh, this, this concept of, uh, let me go to the next one, the value creation tool. So for my business, like, uh, you know, I, I have a $36,000 offer. I have a $72,000 offer. And then I have a, well, as, as a result of this event, I'm going to have a $144,000 offer. Um, and I was, you know, sharing this with some other entrepreneurs and they're like, you know, with how fast I grew as a company, I get a ton of questions about like, how much am I charging? What's my vertical? What's my niche? What am I selling? And one of the things that everyone unanimously jaw goes to the ground with is how, like how I 
started in business and immediately went extremely high ticket. Like most, most of my clients buy a $72,000 offer from me. Um, which, you know, I find interesting. So I was asking people like, why is that? Why is that? Like, why is that different? And it came down to like self-confidence again. It's just people just think they can't charge what they're worth in some way, shape, or form. And it's a, uh, it's just a very interesting belief shift. Like you can start now charging what you're worth. I, no one gave me permission to create a $72,000 offer. Like I just did it because I looked at, okay, what value am I providing and how much do I want to charge for it? I didn't do some market analysis to come up with my $72,000 offer. And you know, it's funny as we tested this during our events, like I sell more when I sell my 72 K offer than I did ever selling my 18k offer and i get better clients and they stick longer so they had us do this exercise um this was the thing with joe polish and gino wickman and dan sullivan um the value creation exercise and we were forced to come up with a higher level of value creation so Dan Sullivan, you know, is, is in front of our group and, and he's like, all right, here, I know you all think you're already charging enough money, but if there was another level, what would it be? We are like, no, 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 you don't get it, Dan. Like we're already charging enough. Like we're, we're smart. <laughs> he's like, nope, nope, nope. There's another level. So, you know, last night I, I, I had dinner with Pete Vargas, like I was saying, um, and and sam ovens and so we were sitting at the table and we went around and we all asked what was the highest ticket thing you've ever sold and everyone like capped at 100k and and then pete vargas goes and he's like six million dollars i was like what how did you how did you get six million dollars from one client he's like well i just rethought my business model and i was like okay what do you mean he was like well I realized that instead of people paying me for consulting on how to run their events or buying my course on how to do events, I started taking revenue shares from people who would fully collaborate with me for their event. So he made $6 million with, uh, you know, one of his recent biggest clients. Um, and it just revolutionized his life. That one concept revolutionized his life is thinking what next level of value can I provide? Right. Um, and realizing that if you're in business or if you want to get into business, um, one of the biggest traps you could ever make for yourself is selling cheap stuff. Now there's reasons to sell cheap stuff like for brand recognition. And there's these, this concept called a break even funnel, meaning, you know, you don't want to get rich on, on the cheap thing that you're doing. Um, uh, 
uh, Rudy Moyer, who is the former CEO of Ty Lopez's companies, was the other guy that I was with. And he talked about how, um, you know, quite a few entrepreneurs uh, that he and Ty were close with um, made a ton of money breaking even on super cheap stuff to build a really large email list and an ecosystem like a like a brand ecosystem and then from that rolled very expensive products off of it so um but the point is do you have something that someone can pay you 70 plus thousand dollars for so i figured i'd share that because you can just start now there is nothing stopping you from asking 70 plus thousand dollars from someone. I'm, when you say now, do you mean like, like right now? <laughs> uh, I didn't mean right now, but I could change what was in my head. Um, Cause you have a special way of doing that. Glenn. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the value creation exercise. Um, uh, so that that was mind blowing. Um, so now I'll, I'll transition. I'll probably come back to some of the the day one stuff, uh, which was the, the the ten times workshop with the uh, uh, with the freaking heavy players that I was with on Monday, which was just mind blowing. I I can I can attest to everyone. I was the stupidest person in the room. You would have never seen me more introverted than I was being in the same mastermind room as Gino Wickman and, and Joe Polish and Dan Sullivan. Like, I don't even think I said anything except for like, you know, stuff I was completely confident on. And that's, that's another really interesting insight is like, like you don't need to hear, like when you're at masterminds like this, you don't ever need to hear yourself talk at all unless you're completely like, unless you know for sure you can provide value around this. And you can tell the people who just want to hear themselves talk and the people who just, they're no problem just talk, not talking all day until they actually have something to share. Um, so that that was a needle mover, um, personal realization, I think. Okay, so um, I'm gonna transition to the, the stuff I learned yesterday um, being at war. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. War Room and today's day two of War Room. Um, again, my mind is completely blown. Um, so I, I'll kind of start with the people that I was with and what I'm learning from them. Um, I'll just go down the list because these are literally all complete game changers. Um, you know, Gino Wickman, the author of Traction, uh, founder of EOS. The thing I loved about what I learned about Gino is He's going all in on what he loves right now. Um, and he's pretty much stepping away from the whole concept of traction and EOS. Like he loves coaching young entrepreneurs. And he wrote this book called The Entrepreneurial Leap. He was just interviewed on Lewis Howes, like I think last week. Um, 
And he, he learned this, I believe, through the lifetime extender exercise that I shared first. Like he wrote out, what does he really want to be doing with his life if he was given 47 bonus years? And he said, well, I want to just coach young entrepreneurs. So instead of waiting, he said, okay, I'm going to sell EOS. I'm going to sell EOS worldwide, which is the whole business he built around traction. I'm going to just do now what I love like, and go all in on helping young entrepreneurs, right? So that was really an amazing lesson from Joe Polish, founder of Genius Network. What I really respected about him is he just went on, I think a one year sabbatical, like, like no phone, nothing, like literally ejected himself from his business for like a year. Um, and he actually did it and everything ran like, and he is like genius network and like some this huge stuff that he's built that you think would depend on him being there. But no, he completely left and he learned so much in the process about how our devices separate us, but give us the perspective as though we're connecting. Um, and I think Clubhouse is a little different than other platforms he was referring to because of the the live nature of it and that that real feeling of I'm here with this person. You don't get that on Facebook or YouTube or, or Instagram. Um, but that was a huge realization was like he actually took a one year sabbatical. Um, the biggest thing I learned from Dan Sullivan, uh, who's the founder of strategic coach was um, we talked for like an hour was he he believes He's like 80 years old. Like he's like, I think he's like 77 years old. He, you can just tell when you talk to him, he believes he is like 40 years old. Like <laughs> how many of you have met someone that's like over 75 years old that you just felt that they don't believe they're over 75 years old. Has anyone ever met someone like that? Oh yeah. Yeah, I have. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> I was just like, I was talking to him smiling ear to ear, like, cause you can just tell he just, and his, his, he believes he's going to live until 156. Like you can smile all you want. You can go, that's funny, Bill. He's probably exaggerating. No, I, I'm not exact. He believes he's going to live to 156. I, I, I mean, in his bones like he gave us a diagram on exactly how he's gonna live the 156 <laughs> he's like well right around age 50 you know is where isolation uh ignorance and insecurity creeps in and people start accepting their faith that i could die at any time and i have experiences that my, you know, someone in my family had a heart attack and they start accepting that they're gonna die right uh they have no people that also believe they're going to live past 100. So they're not surrounded by a group of people who believe it's possible. And then they just eventually give in to society's belief system and scrap their own belief system. That's why most people die. But I learned I learned from him how important it is to decide what your age really is. Um, so now so I just wanted to summarize all that for day one. Now I'll go to day two, which was yesterday. Okay. Um, takeaways from, from war room. 
uh, Ryan Dice, uh, he's, he kind of started the day and he talked about the importance of um, having different bank accounts for different purposes, which is kind of like a profit first lesson. Um, what I found really interesting is he um, he is constantly moving money in his business. So in like digitalmarketer.com, which is what he owns, he does not let money sit still. Um, he is constantly either making sure that his money gets put, you know, put out as formal distributions or pay from his company. Uh, it's going towards acquisitions. It's going towards investments, but you can bet your bottom dollar that he does not let money sit around unless it's for the operating account um, or his tax savings account. So he has an account that just sits with the storage of money that he will need to pay his taxes. Um, and then he has an emergency fund account, which is which stores three to six months of his operating expenses. Um, and then his operating account, which is his main bank account, only has one month of operating expenses in it for his business. Um, and, you know, I just found that interesting that he doesn't let just tons of money pile up in one bank account. Like he literally has an operating account, an emergency fund account, a tax savings account, a sweep account, and then a sinking funds account. Um, and the sweep account is all the money in excess of his tax savings account and emergency fund account gets put into the sweep account. And then every quarter, you know, like it's named, they sweep out the sweep account every quarter. So they'll sweep out the entire account and that makes it so that every three months they're forced to turn stale money into investments. Um, so yeah, I just found that really interesting, um, as a belief system around money that he like refuses to let money just sit in one big bank account. Um, so yeah, he said, quote, don't allow cash to build up in your main bank account. Um, so thought that was really interesting. Um, let's see. Um, ba, 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 ba. okay. The next one, um, that I think was huge is the importance of, uh, okay. So this is like a concept that was hit on, I think three times throughout yesterday. Um, you know, oftentimes a lot of people think that the answer to growing their business is to just sell more stuff, sell more stuff, sell more stuff, sell more stuff. So that's like the client acquisition game. Um, the constant theme that everyone's teaching at this event was the importance of learning how to turn $1 into $2, $3, $5, $10, $20 with each client. So they call it expand. Instead of expanding your market share, expand your wallet share. So I'll explain like this because Roland Frazier, who, who spoke about this, um, 
and someone else who spoke about this just hit on it so well. Um, you really have a couple of options to like how to scale a business or a personal brand. Um, you know, if you're selling something, you can either sell more of the same thing to people, or you can keep the same sales volume and sell at a higher price, right? Um, and this is more important than ever because of inflation. So we did this whole math equation. How much would you have to increase your prices in order to fight back against inflation? Right? Um, and it was very like mind opening. I won't go through the math on that, but the point is this, I can give you the takeaway from it. Um, the takeaway is like all of us need to increase our prices based on how expensive things uh, are, are becoming with inflation. So the first thing we went through was pricing. Um, so the first lesson was just increase your prices, right? That was simple. And then we went through a math equation on that. The second, which was fascinating, is changing your pricing model. And the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate thing that the studies and, and statistics show is the best way to make more money from a pricing model perspective is to move to a subscription model, right? So to take whatever you've been receiving uh, as maybe one-time payments and to move to a subscription model, the, every single case study he showed us supports that subscription uh, is, is what creates the highest value and the most predictability and the biggest ability for, you know, upsells, quote unquote, in, in the studies that he showed. The third thing on price is to refocus your client's price attention, right? Oh, man, I forget the example of the, um, you know, I think the ultimate example is like Amazon Prime, right? Was they went through all this, um, all this calculation on the back end, like what's our average cost per shipment? What's our da -da -da? all this stuff that they figured out on Amazon just to be able to have it so you can click a button and go, yeah, I'll pay X per month to get Prime, right? That was a pricing model change and they moved to subscription. So, all right, the third one is refocus price attention. So, you know, an example of this is like performance pricing. Um, which I'll get to in a second, but is there a way that yes, you can yes, charge? You know, Bill, they're, they're losing money on that deal at my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my wife be wearing that prime out, bro. They're, they're, they're losing on that one. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's probably baked into their statistics, right? Is like the, you know, are, and that's something for everyone to think about as well. Are you willing to lose money on some clients to make it more convenient for others, right? Um, so that's a, a really good question. Um, so can you charge per use of something that you sell? Can you charge per access for something that you sell? So that's called refocusing the price attention. And the ultimate way of refocusing price attention is what's called performance pricing. So when you pay me money and you reach X goal, Okay, we have a quote unquote success fee, right? So when I signed up with Cameron Harold as my coach, he said, and I, I was so 
confused. What did he mean by this? But he said it's 50 grand a year. And three years after coaching ends, you're going to pay me a bonus based on how much you thought the coaching was really worth. I was like, what? Well, that makes sense. And now, you know, now that I've learned this recently, that that is an example of a success fee. And why is that brilliant? It's brilliant because it makes what I'm currently paying him 50 grand seem like nothing, right? Because he's focusing me, he's refocusing me on the value of what I'm paying him for, right? So I thought that was really big. So changing the pricing strategy uh, of, of your business of your business is absolutely key. Um, okay, I'm going to go to Pete Vargas, uh, who talked about like what's working in events in 2022. Um, he's like my spirit animal because we're both event junkies. Um, so everything you wrote down, I was like, "Yep, that's working. Yep, that's working." Um, I think one of the biggest takeaways is the CEO of events.com, who's going to be a billionaire. Um, he was like crystal clear on um, the fact that in person is coming back. Um, and he's been right about like every event prediction he's ever made. And his prediction is that 2023 and 2024 is going to be when people flood back to in person uh, events. So hey, it's more. Hey, yep. Mr. Ramon, can I just add one thing when you're finished there? Yeah, go I ahead. just wanted to say I was speaking to a big global brand sponsor. I just wanted to validate what you just said, Bill. They told me, I quote, Ramon, we're we're not keen to and we're not sponsoring online events. What a dramatic turn, I think, Bill. Two years ago or, two, you know, the past two years, they would have been all in it. Now they're like, nope, we're done. Only in person. That was just one anecdote. But please continue. Yeah. And um, so much like statistical significance behind the 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 ceo of events.com saying this too and you know now to hear ramon say it as well um it's making sense that you know in per like if you want to expand your brand you ought to learn how to you know get people in a room um and and, and market your business that way because it is going to surge back based on all of these experts um you know grant cardone for example sold out his entire event without even announcing the speakers. I know that's unique, but uh, the clever investor, Cody Sperber, got 2,400 tickets sold. So Grant sold 3,500 tickets in person. Cody Sperber, a clever investor, who's been on this app multiple times, he sold 2,400 tickets um, to his clever investor conference that he's doing. And he sold out, I think, like, I don't know, two months in advance. So it's already demand is already coming back for the, the hybrid events. And I, I may have to change some of my strategic plans for my next few events to, to embrace this. But the reason that he brought this up is that the, the ultimate multiplier is to add a virtual component to an in-person event so that you're, you're live on zoom and you're live in person. Um, and I, I know I did this at my Fire Up Your Firm event, and it was extremely successful. Um, but it's just something if you ever are looking to get into events to start embracing is that that combination of in-person and, high, and, and virtual. Um, 
So uh, I think I think another thing that is uh, I'm going through like the notes of everything he said that was really um, a really big takeaway is the importance if you're going to get thought leaders at your event, be extremely intentional, um, like really critically think um through who do you want at your event based on based on whether or not they're going to align with your beliefs because the biggest mistake is to have someone speak at a virtual event or hold a webinar or interview someone that has completely different beliefs than you because it's just going to confuse your audience um and it's going to make them feel like, oh, maybe that person's right about X belief. Um, and until you get really good at interviewing, you you can pull stuff out of people. Like, you know, that uh, Pete was telling me about how when Grant interviewed Trump, um, he had coached Grant on how to pull Trump away from uh, anything politics related. Um, and you saw Grant do this. So he made like a Sleepy Joe comment, uh, you know, uh, Trump did. And he basically like uh, immediately like Grant immediately like pivoted him to like, some, like another question about real estate. Right. And that was all pre-planned because he didn't want to divide the audience during the interview. And I just found that interesting. Like it looked like it was just it looked like a off the cuff conversation with Trump, but it was actually very pre-planned um, based on what they wanted to pull out of him so that the event could be a success and not not divide people. So um, yeah, I just, I just look at this from a, from a marketing perspective and I just found that really interesting. Um, hmm. Alaric Heck, uh, was, was also there. He's that YouTube ads guy. Uh, he, he has that video YouTube ads beat Facebook ads every day of the week. Um, and yes, he is as high energy in person as, as you'd think, uh, based on his ads. I just thought this was a big takeaway. Um, he, he deep dove into all these different ways you can target people on YouTube ads. And, you know, I have this whole list of stuff and he kind of broke down, um, you know, the key to having success on any advertising platform to app to advertise your business is really setting up the right audience. And he spent probably 10 minutes on how to create a, a winning ad. And he spent, you know, the rest of his time talking about how do you create the right audience for your ads? So we went through how do you create keyword audiences? How do you create in-market life event audiences, household, household income bracket? You know, and it made me think, um, whenever I do big events like like uh, like mastermind events like this, I get this whole to-do list in my head. I'm like, man, I got to do that. 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 How many of you are guilty of that when you've went to an event before? Say yes if you've ever done that. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I just want everyone to write this down or, or store this in your head. Who, not, how. Who, not, how. You don't have to do any of this stuff. Who's going to do it for you? Like, so I, I like, this is just a very interesting insight. Whenever I do events like this and I get super inspired about something, I literally write down everything I learned and then right next to it, 
I put a name and a deadline. And I didn't realize I was doing this until, I, until right now. I was like looking through my, my workbook actually this morning when I was preparing for this. I was like, it's funny. I've, I've formed a habit because I'm so scarred by all the times I told myself I was going to execute something and didn't that, okay, I just stopped. And now I, I just put a name next to the lesson that I learned at the event. And, a, and that's the person responsible for executing it. And then a deadline, which is when it will be executed by. Um, Cause there's no way I'm going to be able to execute all this stuff that I'm walking you guys through. Um, okay. So that was huge. Then we had this political marketing guy. Uh, this was crazy um, behind some crazy election based advertising campaigns and holy camoli. The big takeaway there was the importance of data science. Um, wow. Uh, when they are, so I'll give you a quick example of something that really stood out to me. When they are choosing a political marketing campaign, usually he'll sit down with the politician and he wasn't able to name some of the really big politicians that he's worked with, but, um, you know, it seems huge. He says he'll sit down with the person and he'll ask, what do you believe and the politician, most times he sits down with them, will go, oh, I believe this, I believe that, I believe this, I believe that. And it would end up being like 25 different issues that they want to stand for, right? And mind you, doing political marketing is like do or die. Like if you get known for losing campaigns, no one will ever hire you for their political marketing campaign. So it's like do or die. And there's, there's so many elections that this guy has run that he went that he won by like six votes he showed us a screenshot of this one huge election that he won and and he literally won by six votes for his candidate um so most times the the politician will come to him having 25 beliefs i believe this and believe that i believe this and this is what i want to stand for and this is what i want to stand for and then he goes stop is that the whole list Okay, great. I'll talk to you in two weeks. And the person goes, what? I, I want to start the campaign now. Nope. I'll talk to you in two weeks. We're going to take the 25 issues you just gave me. And we're going to survey people in, in your mark, in your, you know, geographic area. And we're going to ask them which of these 25 is most applicable to you. Now they'll also run it through all this sciencey data and platforms and stuff. And they'll basically come back two weeks later and say, okay, of the 25 issues you think are important, we found that only two of them are really important to your audience. Right. And he said, he said, what if we applied this same level of knowledge to our marketing? in our own business? What if instead of worrying about what we think is what we stand up for? What if we ran that through our clients heads and asked and became clear on do they care about this? Right? And that is his literal secret to winning to being like one of the highest winning rate political advertisers is he takes what the person believes 
and then he runs it through the brains of who will ultimately be voting for him. Um, so I thought that was really fascinating. With Donald Trump, again, love him or hate him, he, he won the 2016 election. And the reason he did um, was he he was so good at marketing. Like one of the reasons that he did was he was so good at marketing that when they started doing the advertising for Donald Trump in his 2016 campaign, he was like, yeah, I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. And I've already talked to all the people, you know, day to day people. And I know that they care about this, this and this. And they did some research and studies and they're like, yeah, he's right. Yeah. That's, these are the three things that they care about. Right. Um, and I don't know what they were because I don't really watch the news, but um, he tested like two messages and each of them had an average of 162 variations of that message on like his Facebook ads campaigns and stuff. Two messages. That's, that's it. Like that he did in like the advertisements and tested 162 variations each. Right. Not 162 messages. Two messages tested 162 ways. Right. All right. Pat Quinn, who I talked a lot with yesterday, he's like the right hand guy of um, Pete Vargas. Um, he's coached like Tony Robbins on public speaking. Uh, some quick lessons from Pete Vargas, or I'm sorry, Pat Quinn was, first of all, the importance if if you want to become great at public speaking, the importance of making your introduction to any speech, especially when people don't know you, making it so that people have these exact words go through their head. That same thing happened to me. Right? That same thing happened to me. You want that exact sentence to go through the heads of your whoever you're public speaking to. The opposite of that is look at how great I am. Look at all the success I've had. Look at all this. Look at all that. Look at all this. And then your audience goes, yeah, that's great. Great for great for you. But I'm not there. Right. And so the important thing is to pick a story about your life that most people will say, man, that same thing happened to me, right? In their heads, they'll say that, right? That's super vital in public speaking. And I know for me personally, that's why I, you know, first I love sharing, you know, my story about my struggles with anxiety and bankruptcy and all the stuff that, you know, happened earlier in my career in life. And I guess that is, um, that is something that you can use if you want to become better at public speaking and try to think what is something in my life that makes me appear as though I am extremely human and that I had, I was not cut from a different cloth. I was not on some pedestal, right? Because that's going to make your audience relate with you. And then he even went into how, like an example is some people, when they do speeches, they'll go, 
okay, uh, how many of you have seen the movie X? Right? And they'll go, well, yeah. Well, if you know in the movie X, then they'll share this scene from movie X. And if 50% of the audience saw that movie, 50% of those people, right, who saw the movie will actually remember the scene. So that's really 25% of the entire audience will, will remember that scene in the movie. So, so when you say stuff like, okay, how many of you have watched the movie X, right? And then you go, well, let me just share. Like in the movie X, da, 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 and this happened, that, that. 75% of your audience is feeling stupid when you say that, right? So I found that really interesting. So he reframed it. Um, we were at this cocktail thing together and I asked him to, to elaborate on it. And Pat Quinn goes, well, let me give you an example. When, and he showed me the opposite. He said, he treats anytime he uses a reference experience in a speech, like how many of you have seen X movie? He'll go, he'll start by saying, now most people haven't watched X movie and I assume you didn't, right? And then he'll pause and he'll see like who responds to it. So at this point, the whole audience feels smart because he said, you know, most people don't watch, haven't watched this movie. So now your whole audience feels smart because the people who didn't watch it go, yeah, that's me. And the people who did watch it go, I'm smart. I watched it. I'm going to know what he's about to say, right? Think about how simple of a language pattern shift that is, right? In public speaking. So, um, I found that really interesting. The next thing that he shared is the importance of when you're public speaking, especially from like a, you know, uh, if you're selling from stage or, or training from stage, the importance of balancing and in your content, by the way, the importance of balancing short term and long term solutions. So if everything you teach is short term or long term solutions, either or, and I'll explain the difference, your audience will get confused and they ultimately won't, they won't trust you and they won't buy from you, right? So it has to be a balance of short-term, long-term solutions. So a, a short-term solution is something that they can implement in 24 hours. A long-term solution is something that's framework-based. So I'll explain. Um, so a short-term solution is here's something you can try out today, right? And you could take a lesson that you gave someone and say, here's, here's something you can try today. The next time you da, 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 write this down or do this habit or try this, right? And then the long-term solution is something that makes the person go, oh man, this is going to take some time to dial this in, but because the person gave me a short-term solution, I feel that as I'm executing this long-term solution, I'm gonna be able to roll out some of the short-term solutions while I'm executing the long-term solution. So sorry if I'm getting complicated, but this, this is so important if you're looking to build like your personal brand and, and become a thought leader 
um, I, I know I took it away as a huge takeaway is how can we dance between teaching our audience long-term solutions and then short-term solutions? Um, he said the number one problem with people who do content marketing or any speaking from stage or any sales interaction, <laughs> he said, you are teaching too much. There's too much stuff you're teaching. Um, he said, every time you cut a word from your speech, your audience can focus more on the words you selected. Interesting. So he said, the less words you have in your speech, the more someone can focus on the words you selected. He said, there's one word to always remove, and that's any word that ends in L-Y. You know, really, absolutely, uh, really, really, extremely, right? Anything that ends in L-Y is filler. And he said, if you just learn the habit of removing any word with L-Y after or before your core words in your speech, people will take a lot more away. He also said, when you're trying to make a point, don't say the word louder. Don't say the word louder. Say the word longer. Notice that difference? Don't say the word yes, louder. Say longer. the word longer. Lengthen the word. So if you're trying to have more impact in your in your speaking, instead of getting louder, talking faster, create emphasis by lengthening your words and lowering your tone of voice. If you lean in, they lean in. So there's, he showed us this example where he'll look to the left, he'll look to the right, and then he'll look to the audience and he'll go, do I have permission to tell you a secret? And he did, he, he played a game on us when he was doing this and we all were leaning in smiling like little kids. Looks to the left, looks to the right, looks to the audience and goes, do I have permission to tell you a secret? So everyone leans in. And very interesting. Because oftentimes we think to get our point across, we got to get louder, we got to say more, we got to be, you know, blah, 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 blah. All right. And then I talked about expanding your wallet share. Um, so I guess here here is one last point I'll, I'll leave for everyone before I sign off. So when, when I was getting dinner with, with Sam Ovens and um, Rudy, um, who's the former CEO of Ty Lopez's companies I was telling you about, um, and, uh, you know, Pat Quinn was there, Pete Vargas was there. Like, the one thing in common across all of these, all of these people that I was with yesterday, and I'll be with them all day today too, which I'm excited about, um, was one thing. We, we, we literally got, we talked for 
hours last night about what we each believe is our key to success and how, you know, how this person grew fast. And, you know, Sam Ovens, for example, like consulting.com, um, uh, he was like, he's doing this SaaS product now. Like he doesn't want to sell information products. He's super introverted. Like it's amazing what he's building, but that's his frame of success, right? Rudy is focused on like paid advertising. That's his key to success, right? I'm focusing on virtual events and, and building a large team of full-time employees. I'm like the only person with as many employees as I have at, at this dinner because I'm trying to build a culture. That's what I believe my key to success is. And um, this, uh, this other guy that we were with, Ryan Pineda, Pineda um, was, was there as well at dinner with us. And he has like 200,000 followers. And he's like, my key to success is personal branding. That's what's working. That's, and then at one point at the end of the dinner last night, <laughs> you know, we, we all start laughing and we're like, you know, how cool is this? We all reached, and it was so funny, like three of us are at the $15 million mark right now in our business, like right at this moment. And we're, we just happen to gravitate to each other and sit at the same dinner table. Um, and, you know, 80% of the dinner table is at the exact same revenue level. I found that so weird. Like there was no pre-planning on that, right? And we're all sitting there and at the end of the dinner, we all just start laughing. We're just like, cause we were getting passionate about like, no, you should do this to grow. You should do that to grow. This is the key. This is the key. At the end of the dinner, we all just start laughing. We're like, you know, isn't that so beautiful? You know, three people you know, at this dinner at, you know, same revenue level and yet we all got there different ways isn't that so cool so i want to just end this all this crazy crap i just brought you through from my two days of these masterminds hopefully you took one big thing away from it maybe you have a whole list of stuff you wrote down but i just want to end with this one insight insight is you can choose any way any any way you want to reach your goals like i could give you a list of four thousand things right now that you could do to grow your business but the, the thing they don't talk enough about is trusting your gut trusting what comes natural to you right and I just want to give everyone permission to listen to yourself, right? Dan Sullivan says, actually respect yourself. Listen to yourself, listen to the things that come naturally to you and, and then push everything aside and go all in on it. Um, so I uh, hope you guys found that valuable. I'm going to be reflecting over the next like few weeks when I do my segment. I, I've, I've learned so much in the last 48 hours that my brain is literally exploding right now in a good way. So I just, I'm excited to learn with everyone at Breakfast of Champions over the next few weeks as I parse through all of these endless insights. Um, 
So uh, that's all I got, guys. Stay great and define success your own way. Uh, and I'll see you guys next week. See you. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.